Bangor Worldwide has been promoting and supporting World Mission for over 85 years. Our podcasts are free of charge. You can find out more about us at www.worldwidemission.org. We hope you enjoy this talk. Good evening, and thank you very much for your warm welcome. Sowing and reaping, church planting in the 21st century. Actually, before we take you to Saint-Étienne, I'd like to take you to the city of Tours in the Loire Valley. Sowing was difficult in Tours. Cédric and Nathalie set about planting a church there in 1997, and soon they were joined by a Dutch-American couple, Mark and Jody. They went about proclaiming the gospel in all sorts of different ways, and they saw some encouragements, some people turning to Christ. But it seemed that as many people as joined the church moved away from the city for various reasons. And when I moved to be with them in, in 2000, there were just six of us meeting in someone's front room for services. Cédric and Nathalie had moved away uh, to Canada, where God blessed their ministry with much fruit. And Mark and Jody just kept on sowing faithfully. Then God sent along Sébastien. Sébastien was a very new Christian. He'd come to faith through the witness of a Christian in another part of France. And he suffers from chronic fatigue syndrome. Despite his ill health, God started using Sebastian to bring one person after another to faith in Jesus Christ. Dominique, Jérôme, Sandra, Sebastian's mom, and several of these people themselves started witnessing to Christ to their friends and family around them. The church started growing, and they got premises. They outgrew those premises, they got new premises, outgrew them as well, and today the church is flourishing. It didn't quite happen in the way that the missionaries imagined it might. But it was a good thing. Just like Paul speaks about in the city of Corinth, I'd like to read a few verses with you from 1 Corinthians chapter 3, starting at verse 6. 1 Corinthians 3, verses 6 to 9. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have a common purpose, and each will receive wages according to the labor of each. For we are God's servants, working together. You are God's field, God's building. Church planting in 21st century Europe can seem like a slow old business. Since 2005, Peter and I have been involved in a church planting project in the city of Saint-Étienne. It's a, a former industrial city, uh, not far from Lyon, just uh, south-east of the centre of France, about 200,000 inhabitants. It's a fantastic job. Like Jonathan and Carolina were saying earlier, it's, there's nothing else we'd rather be doing. Sometimes it's amazing to see how God is transforming lives, transforming families, how there's a real spiritual hunger 
in people's hearts. But at other times, things seem so dry. We see people taken in by Satan's deceptions, apathy. We have no idea how to get people even to listen to the gospel, let alone to accept it. When I'm feeling discouraged, the, the story of the church in Tour North encourages me. And what Paul says about the church in Corinth encourages me too. Yes, it's true. We do live in a strongly secularized society. It's true. Many people have prejudices against the Christian faith, have a completely false idea about what the gospel is. It's true. There's a lot of apathy around But our God is in the business of building his church. He's in the business of making it grow. Good evening. Paul takes his task as an evangelist and pastor extremely seriously. According to the grace of God given to me, uh, he says in verse 10, Like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation, and someone else is building on it. Each builder must choose with care how to build. Yet at the same time, Paul refuses to put himself at the centre. It's not his church planting project. This is God's field, God's building. Uh, Let's just look back at verse 5. What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you came to believe as the Lord assigned to each. There's there's no empire building in Paul's vision of church planting. And that's a real challenge for us 21st century Christians, perhaps nowhere more so than in mission. Uh, The temptation is strong at times, as Rachel's shared, to to get depressed when we're not seeing much fruit uh, from our evangelism. And then to get cocky the moment uh, we start seeing people turn to Christ. In, fa- in France, we're seeing, and I think this is a helpful corrective to that uh, danger, we're seeing more and more that God often uses a whole chain of people to bring someone to the point of conversion to Christ. Take uh, Jean-Marie from the church in Saint-Étienne, for example. Now, his brother lives hundreds of miles away. Uh, he became a Christian uh, years ago and began praying for Jean-Marie and witnessing to him. After some time... Uh, Jean-Marie started looking for a church. Uh, He surfed the internet and began coming along to services at uh, the new church plant at Saint-Étienne South, which we'd just begun. Uh, I met up with him to read the Bible over a period of weeks, uh, and uh, we shared with others uh, his spiritual journey, and the circle of people praying for him widened. And then uh, it was one night when uh, Rachel and I weren't at the service uh, that evening. It was exceptional. I think it's the first time we'd missed a service at church. It was the night that our, Rachel was in labor. Our daughter was being born. Uh, and it was that night that the Lord chose to call Jean-Marie to repentance and faith. He bowed the knee, and it was our colleague Thomas uh, who led him to Christ. One sows, another waters, uh, but it's God who gives new life. There's no room for any of us to uh, get cocky about success in evangelism. We need simply to rejoice with the people of God. Nonetheless, 
A diligent farmer will pay attention to the ground he's been given to cultivate. Uh, Fifty years ago, when France Mission began, uh, tent missions drew big crowds. Most of our colleagues held book tables at local markets where they sold Bibles and distributed tracts to passers-by. Door-to-door work was important too. There was significant opposition, uh, but there was also fruit, and churches were planted. Uh, churches grew in the 1970s and 1980s were great times of, church, of uh, growth for the evangelical church in France. Lives were changed. Then in the uh, 70s and 80s, uh, France went through a period of uh, profound social upheaval. Uh, everything was up for grabs. People debated politics and religion on street corners. Some put their, home, their hope in revolutionary Marxism. Others responded to the even more revolutionary message of Jesus Christ. But things have changed. Old, pro- old approaches are less effective. Uh, most French people these days couldn't give a toss for uh, radical political ideas. They're worried about how to find their, their next job when their temporary contract is going to run out, whether they're going to have enough money for a decent retirement, very down-to-earth, everyday preoccupations. They want close, satisfying relationships. They may be a bit scared of commitment. How do we sow the seeds of the gospel in this new context, where nobody seems to uh, believe in big ideals anymore? Nobody's prepared to uh, discuss in the public marketplace uh, ideas and uh, listen to new, new things in the way they did uh, in the previous generation. It's true that God still sometimes saves people through street evangelism. We've had some great experiences uh, explaining the message of Christ to total strangers in the squares and marketplaces places of Saint-Étienne. Uh, in the photo here we have uh, a lovely banger girl, Ruth McCulloch, who joined us for a uh, short-term team a couple of years ago, witnessing on the streets. Uh, every year, France Mission organizes a summer campaign of two weeks where we do street evangelism in, uh, on the streets of a different town in France. But we've noticed that many people remain untouched or even turned off by this kind of approach. The ground of their hearts needs more careful tilling before the seed can take root. People need to see and experience authentic Christian living. Pete mentioned our colleague, Thomas, who works in a neighboring town. He's a really great musician. And one summer, he'd had a a short-term team, which had included a a good quality gospel choir, who'd done concerts around the region. And when September came, he decided to start up a choir, which would be for both Christians and non-believers to be involved in. Perhaps I should explain that in France... Gospel music is extremely popular with all kinds of people, even though most of them would have no idea what the words of the songs mean. So he he started this choir. Quite a good group of people signed up for it, and together they rehearsed the songs. They sweated and stressed together just before the concerts. They celebrated, had a meal together afterwards. 
And little by little, those who didn't know Jesus Christ were able to see something of uh, the difference that God makes in the lives of the Christians they knew. Friendships were formed. Thomas and the other Christians had some magnificent opportunities to explain not only what the words of the songs meant, but why it meant so much to them. And today, in, in the lives of certain people, we can see that there's beginning to be a harvest um, of people moving towards faith in Jesus Christ. In Saint-Étienne, we started the church plant with the help of a, a team of students, some British, some French, and many of them were, were linguists, were studying languages for their degrees. We wanted to build relationships with people who don't, know yet, don't yet know Jesus, and we decided to start up a language cafe Once a week, we would take over uh, a local cafe with the permission of the cafe owner, and it would simply be an opportunity for people to come along and and practice their English, their Spanish, their German, with others who who were interested in in, uh, working on the same language, perhaps with native speakers, if there were enough around. Some people just popped in now and again, but uh, there was also a a core of, of people who started coming regularly. Friendships were built There's no obligation to talk about spiritual matters, but we found that very often, after a while, uh, subjects related to God came up. Uh, We naturally talked about our our involvement at at church, uh, why we were in Saint-Étienne, and many of the people there asked good questions. For some people, that language cafe became a bridge to coming along to church and taking things further, or coming along to other more, more directly Christian events we were, we were putting on. For others, they've become friends, but we haven't yet seen any spiritual fruit in their lives. We continue praying for them. Cafes is something that you may well associate with France, and French cafe culture is quite important in other ways, too, to our approach to church planting in Saint-Étienne. Audrey is an art student in Saint-Étienne, but she is also a a singer-songwriter. She and her brother uh, have done a number of concerts together in their their home region, and also in Saint-Étienne. They write songs which testify quite clearly, but in a very personal way about their faith in Jesus Christ and and what it means to them. And they're songs which are very well suited to the intimate atmosphere of a cafe. And we hope to carry on doing concerts with her. She's been able to invite people from her her classes at university, from the language cafe, uh, sometimes complete strangers who come along. And it's, it's a great opportunity to, to start talking about uh, gospel issues with people in a non-threatening way. Our first services, like Jonathan and Christina, we, we actually started doing services on a Sunday evening rather than a, a Sunday morning. And our first services took place around tables uh, with, with drinks, and, drinks and snacks. We don't have space to do that anymore, which is a good thing, I think. Um, but for us, it's important to create this kind of informal context where there, there's opportunity for people to build meaningful relationships, places where people can let their guard down and ask questions about, about the really big issues in life.
others elsewhere in France are, are taking different approaches. We'd like to show you a, a video clip now um, from our colleagues Simon and Radia, who are working in the city of Marseille, in the predominantly Muslim housing estates there. And um, it's a subject for prayer for us in Saint-Étienne too. At the moment, we're trying to buy a disused bakery um, to use for our church. In France, there's quite a lot of suspicion regarding evangelical Christians. And it's really helpful if you can have a visible place where you're meeting publicly and people can see what you're doing. Uh, but often the town authorities are quite reticent about granting planning permission to evangelicals for, for churches. So we would really value your prayers for that. We'd like to leave you uh, tonight with a word of challenge from the scriptures. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one, other than the one that has been laid... That foundation is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, the work of each builder will become visible for the day, for the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each has done. We've spoken about innovation and creativity in evangelism. We think those are important, uh, vital even, if we want to see vibrant churches planted in Europe today. But, says Paul, Jesus Christ must remain at the centre of all we do and say. There is no other way to build churches. Uh, a fantastic music group won't do. State-of-the-art multimedia presentations won't do. Culturally re relevant art forms won't do. A wonderfully caring atmosphere won't even do it. As the old hymn says, the church's one foundation is Jesus Christ our Lord. We preach Christ and him crucified. But even when we've accepted this foundation, says Paul, did you notice that? Each builder must choose carefully how to build. We have a choice about the quality of our investment uh, for the kingdom. So I want to say to, a word to you uh, brothers and sisters gathered here tonight. This evening, uh, Jonathan and uh, Carolina, Rachel and I, have talked about our work. Uh, we're probably not the only folk involved in church planting here, but we're certainly not the only ones involved in building the church. Hopefully all of you are church members. Uh, if not, well, uh, the Church of Christ is sometimes full of warts, uh, sometimes not very attractive at first sight, but it is the bride of Christ. She is the bride of Christ, uh, and you need to be part of that for when Jesus comes again. Uh, if you are a member of a local church, then you have a role. You are building. Uh, you are building his church, and how are you doing it? Ask yourselves that question this evening. In your personal witness, at work, and in your community, how are you building in terms of the people you are involved in in discipling your local church? The people you have the privilege of teaching uh, in a youth group, for example, or the youngsters simply for whom you are an example as you live out your life. Paul warns us that visible success in the present isn't always the most reliable measure of things. 
It's on the day of Christ's appearing that the quality of our Christian service will become apparent. Are you building with gold, silver, and precious stones? With diligence and prayer, sometimes tears? Or have you become lax and slapdash in the way you serve the Lord? Please pray for us and our brothers and sisters in France that we would build with the very best for the glory of God. And we'll pray for you too, for those of you called to persevere in mission uh, here in Northern Ireland, that as you build on the foundation, which is Christ Jesus, his church here would be a beautiful living edifice of living stones, a shining light for everyone around. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, you are the master builder. You are the one uh, who will build your church. Jesus Christ, you build your church. You have promised that the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Heavenly Father, do that work uh, in Western Europe, please. Do that work in South America and in Chile. Please, Lord, be a, uh, a master builder who builds with precious metals. And may we, too, do our work faithfully as you've called us to. In Jesus' name, amen. We trust you've enjoyed this podcast. If you'd like to make a donation to support the work of Bangor Worldwide, please visit www.worldwidemission.org slash donate.